sees Ephesians 6, 10. For a struggle, there it is, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Secondly, he says it again a second time. Put on this complete armor so that when the day of evil comes, by the way, it says when the day of evil comes, not if the day of evil comes. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Notice this statement we're going to look at this morning. In the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. As Paul tells us here, he reminds us we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual warfare. And I would encourage all of us as well, as we look at the news and we're watching what's going on in the world, we see that once again, we look at the Middle East and we look at what's happening in Israel and with, with Hamas and these terrorist groups, we see now, once again, another nation at war. And that nation could eventually bring others. And I'm not going to get off the topic of what we're preaching this morning, but I would encourage you to make sure that you are very, uh, very in tune with what the Scripture says. And what we're seeing is very well could be the beginning of many things that lead to what the Bible has already prophesied and predicted in the book of Revelation, when you study the book of Daniel and you look at the book of Ezekiel, the prophets have spoken about many of the things that we are beginning to see. Is the church aware of this? Do we understand? But with that in mind, understand, think about what happened even a little over a week ago and you think about how these, uh, how, how innocent people were, were literally uh, asleep in their beds and the enemy came when they were unaware. And the enemy came and they were not even prepared for what the enemy was about to do to them. Understand this, as, as real as that is, may I remind you of something, that Paul says that you and I are in a spiritual battle. It is a real battle. It's not a battle of flesh and blood, but we are in a spiritual warfare with Satan himself. It is a spiritual war. God, if you will, or good versus evil. God versus Satan. Light versus darkness. Lies versus truth. You and I understand we live behind enemy lines. The Bible says that Satan is the prince and power of the air. He's referenced and referred to as the God of this world. And you and I live behind enemy lines. And we must understand that, that when we see what's happening in the world, we see war, that war is a very ugly thing. But I want to remind us as Christians that you and I were in a spiritual battle and we need to take this very seriously. Are you with me, church? Your enemy, the Bible says, Peter says, your enemy, the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said this, he said that, that speaking of Satan, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. As we studied our series, you must know yourself. You must know that you are no match 
in and of your own strength for the enemy. You are no match for a lion. Not long ago, one of the guys who wrestled on our wrestling team and made some national news, him and his buddies were up, up north and they were attacked by a grizzly bear. How many of you kind of heard about that story? That was actually one of our wrestlers. It's our, my other coach's son. And I remember when we talked to him and he shared with us, I mean, the bear literally grabbed him, shook him, and it literally just shattered, just broke his arm, threw him to the ground. And, and he's a college wrestler and thought I could, you know, and he said, at first you try to fight, you try to fight, and he says, there's a point where you just curl up and you just play dead because you are no match for that grizzly bear. You're no match. Can I say this? You and I are no match for a, a, a lion. And the scripture is trying to use these analogies to remind us that in and of our own flesh, we are no, we are no match for Satan. We must know our adversary and know how he works, that he's subtle. The Bible says he disguises himself as an angel of light and also reminded that he's the father of all lies. He lies and he uses deceit. But then we looked at this as this idea is this, you must know your advantages. And so we spent a number of weeks on studying the armor of God and how we must put on the full and complete armor. And I don't have time to review all of that because I got to preach a short sermon. Amen. But he says this, you have advantages. And one of those advantages you have is the armor and you put on the armor of God. But understand this armor is, is mostly, if not all, there for your protection, to protect you. But what I like is this, he does not stop there. Because in verse 17, he says, after you've put on this helmet of salvation, he says, he says take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So yes, we have this armor, which is more of a defensive position. But understand this, not only do we have this armor to protect us from the schemes in, uh, of the enemy, but we also have an offensive weapon. We have, an, we have our arsenal. We do have an arsenal to, to fight off the evil one, to fight off Satan. And I love this, man. How would you like to meet this guy in the dark alley? He's got his, his shield and he's got his body armor on and he has everything he needs to protect himself. But also he's carrying a sword. He has an arsenal. He has a number of offensive weapons. And so we see this Roman soldier that Paul was using this analogy as he's teaching the scripture. As he goes through the armor of God, he's picturing a Roman soldier. And he sees all the pieces of the armor, but not only does, have, does he have this armor, he does have an arsenal. He has some weapons. And the weapon that he has there is this sword. It's made of steel, used to stop, to kill, to destroy the enemy. And may I say to you, a soldier who does not have a weapon is in serious trouble. And so we see that Paul was using the analogy of, of a sword. And he says that you and I, we are like these Roman soldiers that when they went to battle, they carried the sword. They had this weapon. And we know this to be true, that, that you would be in big trouble. You'd be in big trouble if you had, went to war without your weapon. And yet many Christians, spiritually speaking, many Christians, we're in spiritual battle every day. And many of us are leaving our homes. We're walking out into enemy territory. We're living behind enemy lines and we're not carrying the sword. We are not prepared for battle. 
I can't help but when I watch the news and I see the stories of what's, what happened there and what's going on, when I think about Israel and I think about, by the way, there's innocent people on both sides. We need to be praying for that entire region because we're a handful, if you will, a small percentage of terrorist people now using even human shields. It's disgusting. It's cowardice. But we're not here to discuss and talk about all of those things and the sides and all of that. But what I want to say is I can't imagine what it was like for some of those families who woke up or were awakened, especially fathers and mothers, hearing stories of how a mother and a father literally shielded their son and they shot and killed them. And even this 16-year-old boy was shot and wounded, shot in the stomach, and he literally hid under their bodies and hid for nine hours until later they were able to come in and, and find him. To feel so helpless when you have no way to fight off this enemy, when you're caught off guard and you do not have a weapon, there's nothing that you can do to protect yourself. Could you imagine the horror of that? Are you guys listening this morning? Yet it is so sad that many a Christian, we walk out every day out of our homes and we try to live our lives without taking the sword of the Spirit. And so we see this Roman soldier, could you imagine if he were to go out to battle not taking his sword? And so I see the soldier's sword. I want you to see our sword as a believer, the spiritual sword. The Roman soldier carried a sword, but what is our spiritual sword for you and I as believers? 2 Corinthians 10, hopefully we can get these passages up. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Listen to what the scripture says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, and this is plural weapons. We're only looking at one this morning. Come back next week, we'll be looking the next couple weeks at some various weapons we have. But the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, listen to this. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I don't know. I like that word demolish. Amen. You know, uh, I, I'm very competitive, very competitive. You might not know that, but I am. And uh, as a coach, I'm very competitive. And uh, sometimes it's almost maybe over the top. And as a wrestling coach, wrestling is, is a tough sport. It's a very hard sport. And, and I, love, I, I love to win. But I always tell our guys, you don't only want to win I'll, I'll tell them, sometimes they're too nice. I'm like, you want to, you want to rip their soul out of their body, win. And you say, well, why do you say that? Because in wrestling, it's an interesting thing. There's a lot of psychological warfare, a lot of psychological things. And, and I tell them, like, there's times where a guy will be winning a match and doing really well. And towards the end of the match, he kind of just kind of lets off the gas. And I've seen it happen. They let off the gas. And, and coaching my son over the years, I would tell him, you don't let off the gas. 
When you finally got him where you want him, you step on your throat, amen, and you end it. Not, not literally, not literally. You say you're teaching violence. No, what I'm saying is this. You don't want them to think that the next time you come to battle with them, that they, that they have a chance. Does that make sense? And so there's times where I'll see in a matchup, after the match, I'll pull one of the guys aside and said, listen, you wrestled great, you wrestled amazing, but that last, like, 30 seconds to a minute, you just shut down, and you know what? You gave up two, three points. You think in your mind, you just said in your mind, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I won that match. I said, but you know what that kid's thinking? Boy, at the end, I was getting them. I said, now the next time you wrestle them, it's going to be that much harder. You just wait and see. The next time you wrestle them, you gave them a little bit of hope. You gave them this idea that they, they can come after you. They've got you. And so we want to demolish them. Amen. In the name of Jesus, demolish them. You say, you're too intense. Well, I'll let you take over then. Anyway, the one time, the one time I had a guy, a, another guy coaching with me, and, and, and it's like you learn over the years, but, you know, there's certain things we say, and the, the idea is I would always say we want to take them to the third period. We want to break them. We want to wear them down. And at one time I'm sitting there coaching, and one of the brand-new coaches sitting, with, sitting there, and one of our seniors is wrestling in a really great match, and I said, take him out into the deep water and drown them. And he looked over at me, and he's like, wow. He goes, pastor on Sunday, huh? He says, I thought you were a pastor. I said, no, no, listen. I said, I'm an Old Testament pastor on Saturday, amen? And I'm a New Testament preacher on Sunday. He's like, take him out into the deep and drown him? I said, it means that we're going to break him in the third period. He goes, oh, okay, okay, I got you. Not literally. But man, these are strong words that Paul uses. The idea is he says we demolish the enemy. We demolish the strongholds. And we have this power through the word of God. Ephesians 6, as we just read earlier, says this, that we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have weapons at our disposal that we can use to tear down the strongholds. To overcome the adversary and the evil one. Hebrews 4.12, notice this passage, what it says, speaking of the word of God. For the word of God is quick. I like this word, it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. The word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharp, it's alive. And it's the weapon that God has intended for us to use to overcome the adversary. I want you to notice that while our Lord Jesus was here on earth, he went to battle with Satan himself. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Because I want you to see that, that the same weapon that God has given us, the sword of the Spirit, is the same weapon that Jesus used when he was in confrontation with Satan. I refer to it as the Savior sword. You say, well, what, what sword did the Savior use? It's the same sword that you and I use. The sword of the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. It's the Scriptures. And I want you to notice that how did Christ, when he was in spiritual warfare, and spiritual battle with Satan, how did he respond? What was it? That, what was his keys to success? What did he use? And we're going to see here in Matthew 4, 1 through 4, that as Jesus fasted and prayed and he went out into the wilderness, 
that he went out into the wilderness to go in literally in spiritual battle, toe-to-toe with Satan. And this is recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew. Right before this, Jesus is baptized. And after he's baptized, the idea is this, that Jesus is now going into his public ministry. And as he's getting ready to go into his public ministry, Jesus goes out into the wilderness and he And he gets alone with with the Father, obviously. But also he's in a time of fasting and prayer. And Satan's going to attack him. Would you just follow along with me? It says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or to be tested by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said... If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, If you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, I like this, and you and I can say this, away from me, Satan. Get out of here. Away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him. And the angels came and attended unto him. What weapon did Jesus use? I think it's very obvious when we read this passage of Scripture that when Jesus was in confrontation with Satan, when he went to battle in a spiritual war, in a spiritual battle with Satan, what did Jesus use three times? What do we see him doing? He says what? It is written. Or he's saying this, the Bible says, and he quotes the Word of God. We see here there was three different temptations. The Bible tells us we won't turn there, but in 1 John 2, 16, it speaks of how Satan works in this world. And he speaks of the idea of this, is that there's three main areas. It's the lust of the eyes. It's the lust of our flesh. You know, our eyes see and want things. Our flesh has desires. But also not only the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, but also pride, the pride of life. You'll see in Scripture that when Satan came into the garden. He he always works this way. He will try to get you in one of these three areas. When he comes into the garden with, with, with Eve there, and he confronts Eve, and obviously Adam and Eve, remember, it, he mentions how, look at that fruit. It looks good. And it even says that she said, wow. The idea is it looks good. It's the lust of the eyes. Then she saw that it was good for food. Like, boy, I bet it tastes really good. And the idea is this, that's the lust of the flesh. And then what does Satan do? Satan says, well, if you do, it's going to be great. It's going to be good. And if you do, you're going to become like a God. You're going to be like God. Pride. By the way, it's the same thing that caused Satan to fall. Lucifer, the most powerful created being, the most powerful angel, fell 
because he had pride. And he said, I will be greater than, than God. I will lift myself up. I will be anointed higher than God. Pride. We see here that Satan attacks Jesus the same way. As Jesus is hungry 40 days and 40 nights without food, and he's there in the wilderness, the first thing he does is notice, he says, if you're really, if you're really the Lord, if you're, really, if you're God, if you're the Son of God, if you're really the one, then I, what I want you to do is, he says, turn these stones into bread. By the way, remember, Jesus has the power to do these things. He broke the bread, and he broke the fish, and he fed the multitude. Understand this as well. At any other time, if Jesus wanted to make the stones and the bread, he could have done it. But it's because Satan was the one asking him to do it. He was tempting him and testing him. If Jesus gives in to this temptation, then what is that? It's sin. But Jesus cannot sin. Jesus needs to be the spotless lamb of God who will wash away the sin of the world. Amen? And so he was the perfect sacrifice. And so he, he uses, he uses the, the, the stones to bread. This is the flesh that you're hungry. And hey, Jesus, you're hungry. And you're, you, you, know, you, you need nourishment. So go ahead. You have the power. You have the ability. And so he says to Jesus, he says, listen, turn these stones to bread. So you can nourish yourself. And notice how Jesus responds. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He uses scripture. He quotes scripture to combat the enemy. And he uses the word of God to fight Satan off. He says, this is what the Bible says. There's a second temptation he says to Jesus, he takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple. And as they stand at the highest point of the temple, he says to Jesus, jump off. And this is interesting. Because we notice that Satan quotes scripture. When Jesus quoted scripture, when he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, he's quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. Satan takes Jesus on top of the temple. This is, to me is very interesting and Satan quotes scripture. He says, hey, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, hey, that, the, that your angels will watch over you and take charge of you. And that, if any, that they won't allow anything to happen to you. He quotes Psalms 91, 11 through 12. And so he quotes this scripture. But how does Jesus respond? He responds by quoting Deuteronomy 6, 16, where it says, it is written, do not... Tempt or test the Lord your God. The idea is this. Satan was tempting him, I believe, when you look at this in the area of pride. We would call it the pride of life or pride. The idea is this. You can't really do it. And then Jesus is going to then respond by, yes, I can, and let me show you. By the way, that's how many men have gotten hurt over the years. Amen. <laughs> many guys have gotten hurt because, you know, our pride no one can do it, or I dare you to do it. Oh, yeah? Oh, really? I'll show you. He literally is having this idea of having Jesus say, I'll show you, I can do this. And by the way, he could have. And so Satan quotes scripture. I think we need to be on guard and be aware that 
that there are times that even Satan may use Scripture out of context or twisted Scripture to try to test us or tempt us. Let me say this as well. The devil knows the Bible better than you and I do. He used Scripture in the spiritual conflict with Christ. Let me read for you Psalm 91, 11 and 12. It says this, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They, speaking of the angels, will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Satan quoted Scripture. Can I read the next verse for you? Psalm 91, 13. This is the part that the Satan left out. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Isn't it interesting which part of the scripture the devil left out? The prophecy of where Christ will trample. See, I like it. You can be a little violent as a Christian, amen? He says he will trample the serpent. He will crush him. All the way back in the book of Genesis, we see that it speaks about this prophecy of the idea that Christ's heel will be bruised, but that Jesus Christ will crush the serpent, that he will take out the evil one. It is interesting to me that, that Satan quotes Scripture, but he leaves out the verse where it says that the Lord Jesus Christ will tread upon the lion and the cobra, and he will trample the great lion and the serpent. He picks and chooses which scripture he will use. And so understand this is important that we truly know the word of God. He then takes Jesus to a high mountain. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, I will give you all of this if you bow down to me. By the way, who, who created all of these things, right? They're already his. All things were created by him and for him. And we see that Satan tries to use this time where Christ is, if you will, physically weak and at a moment in his life where he says, hey, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. It will all be yours. The lust of the eyes. I will give you all of this. By the way, Satan will use the lust of the eyes to try to tempt us and test us. The idea is I, I see it and I want it. The lust of the eyes. How does Jesus respond once again? He says this, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Only him you shall worship. Only worship the Lord your God. He quotes scripture. Three times we see Satan tempting and testing Christ and how does Christ respond? He immediately speaks the word of God. And I like towards the end where he says, away from me, Satan. Away from me, Satan. He uses scripture. He quotes the word of God. Let me give you a couple other passages. Psalm 119, verse 9. This amazing psalm, I'd encourage you to read it sometime. Psalm 119 says this, How can a young person stay on a path of purity? Notice what it says, by doing what? By living according to your word. Look at Psalms 119, verse 11, just a few verses down. Listen to what it says. It says this, I have hidden your word. We would say it like this, I've memorized it. I've hidden your word in my heart. I've memorized your word that I might not sin against you. 
We're not going to turn here, but in Psalm 1, 1 and 2, it speaks of, uh, of the importance of meditating in the Word of God, meditating in the Word of God day and night, that you'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, and that you'll, you'll bring forth fruit and you'll flourish. Joshua was told by the angel of the Lord, he says that you must meditate in the word of God. He says to Joshua, be strong, but be courageous. But the only time the word success is used in scripture or to be successful is in Joshua 1.8. He says, if you want to be of good success, he says, you need to meditate upon the word of God day and night. So what does this look like for you and I? When we look about, look at the, the example of the Savior's sword and we're looking at the spiritual sword for you and I today, what does this look like in 2023? What does this look like for you and I? Well, when we're in a spiritual battle, we must make sure that we have the full armor on, but also the only way we're going to overcome the adversary is to use the spiritual weapon that God has given us. And one of them is the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God to use scripture. The same way that Christ used scripture when he was tested and tempted, you and I must use scripture. That means this, that you better know the word of God. Do we have the word of God in our hearts and in our minds? Are we thinking on it? Are we dwelling on it? Are we meditating on it? The Bible says to meditate upon it. The psalmist there says this. The psalmist says that we are to Hide it in our heart. The idea is this. I would have some scriptures memorized. And so let me just give you one or two quick, quick, helpful tips. And that is this. Many of us know what areas Satan is often battling us. Obviously, he hits us in many different ways. But maybe for different people, it's different battles. Because understand, the enemy observes us. He watches us. Let me go back to this. The enemy cannot read your mind. Only God knows our thoughts. Satan is not all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient. He cannot be everywhere at once. That's a good thing too, by the way, amen? He is not everywhere at once. Now, there are many demons at work, and the Bible speaks of in the spiritual realm. And when we get into prayer, which is next week, we will see that there is a lot happening in the spiritual realm, good and evil, in the area of prayer. And we're going to look at the, the area of prayer next week. But when we're looking at the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, we must know the Word of God. We must be able to quote the Word of God. And so it's so important because there is spiritual conflict. And so we must... Understand that Satan cannot read our minds, but he can put thoughts into our minds. You understand that? He will do that. He will try to, again, put thoughts and, and things into our mind. And we said this uh, a couple weeks ago that the importance of the helmet is because the spiritual battleground is primarily where? It's in the mind. And the Satan will do this. And so we must take captive every thought, the scripture says, so that we can tear down these strongholds and take captive every thought. How do we take captive every thought? We need to make sure that we are taking and using the word of God as, as, as truth and taking the word of God and learning to discern between the truth and the lies. And so to try to help you, let me encourage you, in this area, and that is this, you must be in the Word of God and studying the Word of God, meditating upon the Word of God, taking it in. He says, how does a young man stay pure and stay on the right path? By taking heed to the Word. How, do we, how does, a, how does a, a follower of Christ keep from falling and stumbling into sin? He says, by, by 
hiding God's word in our heart, memorizing it. You know, we are so blessed because now we have Bible apps, amen. We have Google, we have searches. We have all types of ways. And may I just say this, here's this even one little helpful tip. That is this, if maybe there's an area in your life that the devil is just bombarding you with. Maybe for some, it's, maybe it's lust. And there's this, you know, you're struggling with lust. You know, you could very easily look up this. Scriptures. Scriptures to combat lust. You can look at that and there'll be 40 verses right there for you. And then I want you to memorize all 40 by tomorrow morning. Amen? Not quite. But read them. Memorize a couple of them. Years ago, in my own spiritual life, just be honest and transparent with you for a little bit, as a teenager and through high school and things, one of the things that really was one of the strongholds in my life was anger. Anger. Not proud of it. I remember when I was getting ready to go off to college, my parents, my dad and my mom, and my mom was like, I'm really concerned about you and, and roommates. What if you get angry with a roommate, you know? Or you can't, remember, you can't punch holes in the wall. And they, they didn't let me. I'd have to fix them. And it wasn't good. I'm not a brag. I'm just saying, but there was times there would be some holes in some walls. And like, you know, you can't do that at college. You just can't do that. You're not supposed to do it here either. Now, I'm not bragging. What, what I'm saying is this, is that there was definitely an area that the devil had a stronghold in my life, this, some anger. You know what I did? I started taking Scripture taking the word of God, memorizing a handful of scriptures, taking, writing them back then, writing them on a card, put it, put it on the mirror, put it somewhere where I could just read it, where I could start quoting it. And like one in James, I believe it's in James, it says this, for the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Be slow to speak. Be slow to wrath. Be slow to anger. You know, be quick to hear, but slow to speak. I started taking these scriptures and, and memorizing them. Solomon speaks in Proverbs about how it's actually a weak thing, that you're weak, that if, uh, if you don't have control over your own spirit, and if you don't have control over your, over your anger, over your emotions, that you're actually like a city that's, that has no walls, a city that's... And I realized that this was not a manly thing. It was not a macho thing, but actually it was the opposite that I was weak and that because I didn't have control over my emotions and my anger, that that was truly a weakness. One of my best friends, who's the best man in, in, our, um, in my wife and I's wedding, he warned my wife. He's like, hey, you know, he, I've known him. We knew each other since we were this tall. Well, I've been that tall for a long time. But I mean, <laughs> since I'll use age, since we were little, since we were young, he knew, knew me so well. But it was cool for him. We actually went off to the same college and he began to watch me grow and change and see that I was taking the word of God and trying to apply it to my life and taking the word and using the scripture to combat this area that the devil had a stronghold in my life. And so I had scripture. I put them in my Bible. I put them on the mirror. I, I, you know, in my bunk in the dorm, I had a bunch of them right on, I was on the bottom bunk and I had a bunch of them there. When I wake up, that's what I'd see. And I'm going to tell you something and you can ask my very good friend and the people around me. You can ask my wife and my kids and things like that. 
God has, and, and we're never, can I just say this? You're never going to have complete victory. It's something you're always going to battle. But God has enabled me to overcome that stronghold. And it's not, let me tell you, it's nothing that I am able to do. It wasn't something where I woke up and I went, I'm going to do this in my own strength. No, it was through the Holy Spirit and his word. And every time the enemy would begin to try to, to get me to that point, I'd just quote scripture, quote scripture, quote scripture. You know what it did? It demolished that stronghold in my life. What strongholds, what areas, what areas in your life that you know? Let's, if you just become honest with yourself and you're honest and transparent. If you don't know, just ask one of your family members. They'll help you out. Amen. <laughs> this is an area that you need. And do something simple. Get a Bible app. Get a few. Google it. I don't care. Look it up and say, here's, here's four or five scriptures. Read these scriptures. Take these four or five scriptures and you begin to, to just meditate on them. And if you can, I would encourage you to memorize them. So that when the devil comes, like what Jesus did, Jesus had the word. He, he is the word, by the way. But he had it flowed out of him. And when Satan came to attack him, he said, it is written. And he quoted scripture. It is written. Quoted scripture. It is written. And he quotes the scripture. And then he says this, away from me, Satan. And by the way, through the power of Jesus Christ, we have the ability to say, get away from me, Satan. And we quote that scripture. And let me tell you, he will tuck tail and run. Amen. There is power in the word of God. You know, we all know this. I'm not teaching or preaching something that, that we don't know. We know it here. Yeah, the Bible, that's our weapon. It's our sword. We know it here. But the problem is most of us walk out the door on Sunday and we live Monday through Saturday most of the time never carrying the sword. We literally go out into hostile territory. We're living behind enemy lines. But we are not... Listen to me, we are not armed, locked and loaded, ready to attack the evil one when he comes at us. And so my challenge is this, church, is to make sure that you are in the word. Be in a Bible study, be in the word, be faithful to God's house, hear the word. But in your own time, get into the word of God. Listen to me, listen to the word of God. Uh, whether you Use your time wisely, leverage your time, listen to scripture. And if there's areas in your life that you know that the enemy has, had, has been having victory in your life, start getting some scriptures in that area and say, I'm going to memorize some of these. And when the devil comes at me, I'm going to quote it. And by God's grace, I am going to have victory over the enemy, over the evil one. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Told you it's going to be shorter. Let's stand and have a word of prayer.